Well, good morning, everyone. On this occasion of the COVID pandemic anniversary, how will you be celebrating today? A walk, perhaps? Uh, ordering some takeout? Maybe a Zoom call? Backyard fire and mask burning? Of course, I'm not suggesting that. Uh, masks are our friends and will be with us yet for a while. Wow, it's been a year now since we've not been together to worship in person. And that feels like a long time. But in, strangely, in another way, it doesn't feel that long. And that, I don't know, time's strange that way. I wanted to say this morning uh, that I feel very grateful for the way we've stayed together over this past year. We've adapted. We've kept meeting. We've continued to invest in our church community and to participate. I think we've been a source of support and encouragement to one another. And I want to thank all of you for this and all who've contributed to our video worship services for the beautiful music and photographs. Ella and Joanne worked um, to produce this beautiful music and photography to commemorate this one year anniversary. I wanna thank them. I also wanna thank all the readers that we've had, the worship leaders who've recorded in their own homes, the speakers. And I wanna thank all those who've continued our congregational ministry through committees, through church council, and through various working groups. We've had some very good online discussions, midweek discussions over these past months. We currently have groups that are active and working on issues of anti-racism, um, the climate crisis, indigenous reconciliation, and now recently LGBTQ inclusion. There's a lot going on even though we're not meeting in person. And I also wanna thank those who've been looking after our building, Jerry and the premises committee, um, Greg Van Horn, who's been checking in on the building. I wanna thank Stephanie, our, um, administrator, our office administrator, who's become an excellent videographer. And Ken and Catherine, who in the background continue to process our finances. So as we mark this one year of being apart, I just thought it was really important to take a few moments to pause and to be grateful for our church community, for all that people do, for all that we are to one another. And it occurs to me that throughout history, the Christian church has managed to thrive in terms of difficulty. In the very first two centuries after Jesus, Christian communities suffered under Roman oppression, and yet they grew and blossomed. Our own origins in the Reformation, Anabaptist communities grew and flourished in spite of being threatened hunted down and harassed. 
More recently, an example is Ethiopia. During the communist regime of the late 70s and 80s, the Christian church was outlawed and forced underground into small home meetings. When the time of oppression ended, the church emerged stronger and more numerous than before. Resilience is right in the DNA of the Christian community. Our Lord and our spirit rises from the dead. The gates of hell shall never prevail against us. I have the sense that we too, and I mean our own congregation, has been strengthened in a way during this pandemic. I realize there may be different perspectives, but I have this sense. I'm not sure what you think. Uh, what's your sense of this? I wonder if we're perhaps appreciating more what we have in a way. Sometimes when things are taken away, it's only then that we really realize how important they are. Well, I want to move on to the text for today, and I won't take too long now. Just a few comments. It's a weird story. Um, and oddly appropriate for the occasion. The Israelites are complaining. And then they're bitten by poisonous snakes in the desert. They fall ill. Some die. They admit their sin to Moses and they plead for his help. And then Moses goes to God on their behalf. And God tells him, Go and make an image of the serpent, that very thing that has caused their suffering, and fashion it to a pole. Hold it up for them. Those who have been bitten may look upon it and be healed. Well, here is the symbol. Wouldn't you know it? The snake on the pole. This symbol is most commonly referred to as the staff of Asclepius. Asclepius is known as the Greek god of healing and appears in Homer's epic story, the Iliad, which was written in the 8th century BC. However, the biblical story is older than this and is most probably the origin of the symbol. It's interesting, I find, how our modern scientific institutions are still connected to ancient wisdom stories and myths. Well, what does the story and the symbol mean for us today? The people are instructed to look upon the very thing that has harmed them. In some weird way, the snake, the source of their illness, will have a role in their healing. Well, this is actually the principle behind traditional modern vaccines. Uh, of the ones that are out there now for COVID, the um, AstraZeneca vaccine and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine are known as viral vector vaccines. Um, and they work by introducing the human body to a small part of a modified virus, not exactly the COVID-19 virus, but a virus nonetheless, in order to stimulate the body's natural immune system. In a sense, the healing comes 
through the body being faced with or having to look at the very thing that is a threat to its health. So there's wisdom in this very old story. And what works on a biological, physical level, I believe also works on a psychic and social and spiritual level. For the natural world and the spiritual world are not separated. We live in one world, one universe, and there's ultimately one truth. We know that in order to heal from psychic trauma, one does not get better by repressing or avoiding it. At some point, usually with the help of a trained professional, one has to turn and face it. One has to revisit the trauma, which in a sense is like that snake. One has to look on it and process it in order to heal from it. And it's similar in the 12-step process of healing from addiction. One has to tell the truth. One has to face the pain that the addiction has caused to one's own self and to others. The healing involves taking responsibility, telling the truth and making amends. And think of our society for a moment and some of the things we're dealing with presently. Deep wounds of colonialism and racism. There's really no way forward unless we turn to look at the sins of the past. There's always temptation to deny it, to forget it, to say the past is the past. Let's just leave it alone and get on with it. That doesn't really work. If we refuse to turn and look, the deep healing will not happen. The disease will only fester. Well, then there's the connection to Jesus. John, in his gospel, refers to the story in Numbers. Uh, he compares the image of Jesus on the cross to the image of the serpent on the pole, that all who look upon Jesus will live. But what's he saying by this? It's not immediately evident because we don't immediately think of Jesus as like the snake, you know? Jesus is not the source of our illness, is he? Well, not directly, perhaps, but, but perhaps his body on the cross is a sign of our illness, the illness of humanity. Jesus was falsely accused. He was scapegoated. He challenged us. And instead of listening, turning, and repenting, we chose to get rid of him. We tortured and killed him, ran away from him in his hour of need. So as human beings, we're all complicit in some way. His body on the cross can be a symbol to us of our sin. Therefore, besides facing things that have been done to us, and the things that our society has done to others, we're also called to face our own sins. 
the wrongs that we have done to others. The gospel invites us to turn and to face our own failures and sin, that which is ours alone, our responsibility alone. To turn, to face it, to name it, and then to repent from it. And then, thanks to God, there will be true healing. Through the mercy and the love and the compassion of God, there will indeed be forgiveness and healing. Amen.